the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Last spring, March, April, there were literally, I can count them on both hands, maybe that's being generous, the number of journalists, pundits, observers, whatever you want to call them, who are highly skeptical about what we were hearing about the novel coronavirus uh, and pandemic and the lockdowns. One of those people is Steve Dace. He is with the blaze, but also a great communicator from the beginning, skeptic, so to speak, from the beginning, we were in the trenches. We are being proven right. I say that humbly because there's been so much damage, catastrophic damage done in the interim. But Steve is joining us today. We're going to talk about a lot of things happening with COVID. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. You bet, Julie. Appreciate your work as well. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start with the vaccines. We're seeing sort of the Biden administration backtracking a little bit, I think, on their goals. They're claiming they Mm -hmm. didn't have enough supply. They don't have enough vaccinators. Um, But maybe people are starting to wake up to the fact that they don't really need or want a vaccine. What's the latest? So we're, we're seeing this term that was bastardized last year because we basically did this with any science. Any established precedent of virology, immunology, biology was trashed in exchange for whatever political narrative surrounding COVID-19 uh, benefited the panic porn. And I won't say this out loud, altered the outcome of the election. OK, I just said it out loud. Mm-hmm. So. So now we're kind of getting back to science again, and we're hearing this term herd immunity. See, herd immunity, that's the point of a vaccination program. The point of a vaccination program is to get a community to herd immunity uh, before a natural immunity would occur, because that comes with a toll. In order to reach natural immunity, enough people have to be infected, and that can include sickness, lethality, in other words, death. And so you vaccinate in order to artificially get there before a contagion completely wreaks havoc during an outbreak. That's the goal, is to get us to herd immunity. We're hearing this this term again now. Well, what's happening around the country, since January the 8th, Julie, daily new cases everywhere in America have collapsed 71%. Wow. 71%. I don't even think 11% of the population is vaccinated yet. So this is not, and that's if you even assume the efficacy of the vaccines and their claims, which we haven't seen play out yet in real time, and we hope that those are true. But that's not enough to hit any kind of herd immunity threshold in a country this vast and diverse. See, what I believe has happened, and I said this privately to my own staff on my show, but I didn't want to get out in front of this yet because I wasn't sure. And then one of the experts at Johns Hopkins, which has been one of the chief purveyor of panic porns for the last year, he actually wrote this in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago, that, that if you look at the data trends, we appear to have hit a herd immunity threshold, meaning the point in an outbreak where there's enough natural immunity that you begin to see pushback and slow up the growth against against the virus. And and I think that explains the collapse we have seen in cases. One of the explanations, I think you've also seen the World Health Organization an hour after Joe Biden was inaugurated, urge countries to now have a more 
realistic uh, cycle threshold testing score in their PCR testing. So you put and those that means the number together. of times that the, the, yes. the sample is is really basically rotated and they're trying to pick up pieces of the virus. Yes. And this cycle threshold, for, pe- for people who don't know, a lot of them were 35, 40, which is super mm-hmm. high. And they, this is what led to so many false positives. Or asymptomatic cases like college students who didn't, who I, I think Andrew Boston at Brown University surveyed 100,000 college uh, cases of positive tests, and one of them led to a hospitalization because you're picking up so many un- people that are not really contagious, infectious, or viral artifacts with such sensitivity. So you throw, you, you have a more realistic testing process, then you throw in the natural immunity. I mean, the LA Times ran a story about Los Angeles County, one of the largest counties in the country marveling how they just out of nowhere hit, they think, a herd immunity threshold, and cases are finally collapsing there. But, Julie, if you go back to April 20th of last year, the University of Southern California did an antibody survey of Los Angeles County, and what it found was 4% of the residents of that county already had infections, Mm -hmm. that there were anywhere from 28 to 55 times more COVID infections uh, than the than the LA County Health Department was 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 listing at the time, and, and back on April 20th, we had not even reached 50,000 deaths with COVID in America yet, and already there was four percent penetration of that county. And so, play that math out over the course of that was last April. This is now late February. Play that math out over the course of what's that nine months, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be shocked at that rate of infection that you've hit a herd immunity threshold. It's just you'd be shocked. If you if if your if the premise of all of your data was bad, and I think that's been the big unsolved mystery of all of this beyond political motivations and everything else, it's just bad data. The baseline that all this data began from. It's a little bit like claiming gravity started when the apple fell on Newton's head. <laughs> no, it didn't. It was just observed for the first time then. But the gravity was here for thousands of years before that. After this, let's talk about how wrong th- that has been since the beginning and the trajectory of this and how we, how I think people are starting to pull themselves out of it. The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is this is the Dan Proft Show. That is the best analogy, Steve, that I've heard about gravity. And some of us brought this up early on. This flattening the curve. Well, they all they started the curve on. March 16th. And here's our little chart and it shows how things mm-hmm. are going up. Well, to your point, and now we know from other studies that this virus, and it just makes common sense too, was here at, at, in late 2019 at the very earliest. It could have been months before that. So the idea that all of a sudden, as soon as Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci started making charts, that's when this curve started, but it's not. And so we're way further ahead than what the data, so quote unquote data shows. Well, you look at Italy, uh, the country that was probably torn apart more by coronavirus than any nation on Earth, the things began to simmer down and they went back and, and did, uh, you know, a forensic pathology analysis of the virus to try to trace its origins. Um, they were able to find evidence of it in their, in their septic system going back to last September. Hmm. We actually record our first death of, of COVID, uh, a 57-year-old Silicon Valley uh, worker back in on February the 6th, which means if you know anything about the incubation period of this virus, she got infected at some time in January at the absolute latest. Uh, Ohio did a study uh, last year trying to also trace 
origins of the virus, and, and we're able to trace it back to December. Julie, we take in 370,000 Chinese college students a year. Right. And that's not counting all of the other China travel back and forth between the world's two great economic superpowers. And let's face it, the Chinese government's lying to their citizens like the rest of the world, too. How many of those kids went home for Thanksgiving or Christmas break and had no idea and then came back here and brought it back here with them? The idea that this thing just began percolating and circulating, go look at the flu cycle uh, data from, uh, from the CDC, uh, the two weeks prior to the shutdowns when everything became about COVID. We were just below the epidemic threshold, according to CDC, for flu and pneumonia in America, like two-tenths of a decimal point below it. So, I mean, mathematically, essentially there. Is it possible that because we're still at hospitals coding all of this as COVID-like symptoms now, we didn't have a coding for this new respiratory virus, so we were coding these things as flu and pneumonia. The symptoms are often similar, and, and, and that is what led to an explosion of those cases across the country in the weeks leading up to the, to the shutdown. Our data is bad because the baseline for it has been wrong from the very beginning. It's funny you say that, Steve. My daughter attends a uh, private college in upstate New York, and she said they all went back after Christmas break. Of course, there's a lot of Chinese students there. And she said, we knew something was up because all the Chinese kids came back wearing masks which they hadn't had on before. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she said, and, you know, the only time they would take their mask off, it, they were smoking because they all smoke, which is fine. <laughs> um, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that that did help the spread of it. We, and I mean, they, the students obviously were not subjected to the China travel ban. But yes, the baseline, the data is wrong. But Steve, you have been doing, I mean, you know this data like the back of your hand. Suddenly the flu has disappeared. No one has the mm-hmm. flu. No one's testing. You know, the CDC keeps saying we're finding remarkably low uh, presence of, of the flu virus this year. What's up with that? Well, I mean, they, they try to say, well, it's because of the masks. If that's the case, how come all of their studies prior to basically June of last year showed when they tried to look at masking from a flu perspective that masks don't work? So the masks made the flu go away, but they didn't make the COVID go away. That doesn't make any sense. There, there's a couple of answers, potential answers to this. Um, and, and, and the problem for the panic porn purveyors is that it, they, they, both would, um, uh, they both would disturb their premise. One option is that everything's just being coded as COVID at this point. Uh, the symptoms are the same, uh, just like, you know, deaths from COVID, deaths with COVID, uh, that we're doing the same thing from a diagnosis standpoint. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten in my audience from people who have told me, you know, I went there, I tested negative for the for COVID. They wouldn't even give me a flu test. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know about the upcoding incentivization for COVID diagnoses compared to other ailments. So, I mean, the bureaucracy of healthcare is, is one possibility. You know, there's a sinister possibility that uh, this was just all done politically in order to uh, scare the hell literally out of the country. Mm-hmm. But then there's a scientific explanation for this as well, and that is that we're dealing in COVID, you're dealing, and this is where you get into the notions of things called uh, new or fresh timber when you're talking about contagions and outbreaks and community spread. But the scientific explanation to make a very rudimentary um, analysis of it is that essentially the new superior outbreak, like a form of, I guess you'd call it natural selection, has replaced the weaker one and um, making its way uh, through, through the community. 
Well, the problem with that explanation, if that is the case, then that shows that when we use the term novel coronavirus, it means it's a new strain of a coronavirus we haven't seen, but it's not a novel virus, meaning the, the natural laws of immunology, virology, and biology, the things we knew, we knew prior to this thing being politicized, as Scott Atlas has pointed out in so many different formats, those precedents and laws still remain, which also means, therefore, this idea of locking down all of these healthy people so that they wouldn't go home with asymptomatic, uh, as asymptomatic carriers and zombify or kill their grandparents. By the CDC's own analysis, only about 15% of cases in America have been asymptomatic. So this idea, and this has been studied all over the world, the highest threshold I've seen is 8% of spread could be traced back to asymptomatic. Fauci said last January 28th, there's never, ever been an outbreak of a respiratory virus that's been generated and driven by asymptomatic spread, and there won't be here either. He knew this, he knew this science beforehand. And so we get to questions of why did he uh, and his ilk abandon all these precedents of science um, at this point in time? And all of the answers potentially to that question are bad. Well, you don't get on the cover of InStyle magazine, you know, if you're being frank with the American people about a virus. You, you know, you have to gin this up and then look like you're the big savior. That's one motivation for sure. I will say this, and, uh, and I'm actually a personal self shameless plug. We're about to announce my next book is a takedown uh, and, and of pages and pages of footnotes of Anthony Fauci Good. and the scam that has been for the, uh, the last year and a half. I've never in my in my career in politics and I've worked in media. I've worked for candidacies from uh, school board to president of the United States. Uh, and so I've seen a lot of liars. I've seen a lot of frauds. I've been lied to by some of the best of them. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a bigger scam or public policy fraud in my career. And I don't know of one in American history than Anthony Fauci. I think that uh, that's uh, an understatement. <laughs> Steve, you've done exceptional, outstanding work on this. You've been such an important and influential and needed voice for sanity on this. Thanks so much. Uh, Likewise, Julie. Podcast of the show at danproftshow.com.